This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. All views and opinions expressed are the views and opinions of the individuals and sponsors presenting them, and not the LTB network. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, this is Paul Boyer. Welcome to the Mad Money Machine, Season 2, Episode 3, for Friday, May 30th, 2014. Coming up, why do we care about Bitcoin? Who's accepting Bitcoin? And we'll try to figure out what's in your wallet. All right here on the Mad Money Machine. Broadcasting from the Bitcoin bunker, six blocks below. Brandishing the blockchain to fight good versus evil. This is Bitcoin versus the man. This is the battle of the century. This is the Mad Money Machine. The Mad Money Machine is proud to be sponsored by listeners like you and by Broker.com. Buy Bitcoins with your credit card or PayPal or spend Bitcoins on just about everything at Broker.com. Yes, indeed. Coming to you from the Bitcoin bunker deep below the Mad Money Machine corporate towers in the Triple M Business Park. Today, we're going to try to answer the question, why do we even care about Bitcoin at all? You know, I still meet people. I think a couple episodes ago, I talked about meeting people at a party or whatever, and they know you're into Bitcoin. Well, you need a real quick, pithy answer about why is Bitcoin so important? Why do we care about Bitcoin? So I've tried to come up with the shortest possible answer as to why Bitcoin is important. So here we go. Bitcoin is a way to send or receive money using your computer or smartphone that eliminates the need for a trusted third party. That's so nice, I'll say it twice. Bitcoin is a way to send or receive money using your computer or smartphone that eliminates the need for a trusted third party. It's like cash or currency or coins for the internet, thus the name Bitcoin. And I think it'll do to money what email did to letters. Except there's no third party in the middle. Well, they'll say, well, what's wrong with trusting somebody? The two biggest problems, I think, of trusting somebody, especially somebody you don't know, is they could rob you or they could gossip about you. And you know, the problem with trusted third parties is oftentimes they're just third parties. They're not really trusted. (laughs) They're strangers to you. You don't know anything about these trusted third parties and what they're going to do with your money. Take, for example, Mr. Jorking, the head of the Amalgamated Mercantile Society, as featured in the 1951 movie adapted from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. May we hear those figures, Mr. Snedgrid, at your pleasure? Uh, Certainly, Mr. Groper. Well, gentlemen, after 17 years of existence, the Amalgamated Mercantile Society's books show the startling figures of a liability of £3,200, 8 shillings and tenpence, and a total asset of £11, 8 shillings and tenpence. Well, at least the tenpences cancel each other out. How much of this is the company's capital? All of it, Mr. Rosebed. In short, sir, you're not only a bankrupt... You're an embezzler of the company's funds. 
I also beat my wife and skewer innocent babies when in my cups. Take a very cool attitude, if I may say so, son. So do Mr. Scrooge and Mr. Marley. They're not facing prosecution for a capital offense. Oh, but gentlemen, it could have been any one of you. We're all cutthroats under this fancy linen, Mr. Snedrig. I must ask you to speak for yourself, Mr. Jorking. Oh, what would you gain to prosecute me? All you'd get out of it is about 11 pounds on. And to pack me off to Botany Bay would be poor compensation for the panic that would arise among the shareholders. Panic, sir? Yes, panic. Would any of you gentlemen care to deny that if this juicy little scandal leaked out now, the annual shareholders' meeting would resemble an orchestra of scorched cats? Result? Bankruptcy all round. Strike that speech out of the minutes. Yes, sir. Yeah, so if uh, Amalgamated Mercantile Society's assets uh, were kept on a blockchain with multi-sig access, perhaps Mr. Jorking wouldn't be able to embezzle all of the company's funds. Well, now, if that was happening in today's world, would the government come in and bail out the AMS? Well, back then, it was handled a little differently. Let's hear from Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge. Mr. Joking doesn't exaggerate the imprudence of allowing his misdemeanors to be made public. Are you in sympathy with Mr. Jorkin by any chance, Mr. Scrooge? Not, I confess, with his methods. But Mr. Marley and I have a proposition to make to the representatives of the company, which might solve some of the difficulties to our general advantage. The devil you have. You want to watch these two fellows, you know. They'd skin Jack Ketch alive and he'd never know they'd done it. Can we hear the proposition? I have spoken. Mr. Marley and myself are prepared to make good out of our own private resources. Sum of money appropriated by Mr. Joking. <laughs> Reprieved. Reprieved. Curfew shall not ring tonight, Mr. Snedrick. Order, order. In return, we wish to be allowed the option of buying up further shares in the company to a maximum of 51% of the total. In short, gentlemen, if you wish to save the fair name of the company by accepting their generous offer, ha, they become the company. Never, never. One percent. Out of that question. Never. Fifty out of the question. And also out of order, Mr. Scrooge. So Scrooge actually turns out to be the good guy in this story. He, he saves the company by providing them with the funds. And yeah, he gets ownership of the company. But hey, what's the alternative? They could have gone under or been bailed out by the federal government. Well, what's this about gossip then? Well, when you use another pay payment network, aren't they able to gather all the information about your transactions? And what would they do that with that information? Is it something that you approve of? The potential anonymity of cryptocurrency, coupled with the lack of a need for third-party trust, it what is what makes it so exciting about the future of Bitcoin. So here are some organizations that have hopped on the Bitcoin train within the past week. These organizations, I, as I understand it, have newly announced that they accept Bitcoin in exchange for the serve goods or service they will send to you. Uh, starting with Arrowhead Beef, grass-fed beef. How about Candy German, candy for Bitcoins. Predatory Plants, get that Venus flytrap. Boston Gulf Consulting. Uh, McLaughlin and Stern Lawyers from New York. Dish, uh, Libertarian Party of Texas. What? Dish? Dish accepts Bitcoin? Tell us more about that, Jim. First of all, is this surprising, Dish? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's surprising whenever uh, a large company does it, but it's becoming less and less so. All right, because I, I what I was going to start with was it's inevitable that more and more companies are going to start accepting Bitcoin. It seems, right, with the momentum. Yes, it is inevitable that all companies will accept Bitcoin. It's sort of like email in the early days. I mean, at, at some point, a company has to get its first email address. And it's, you know, it's hard to be the first one over the, over the fence to do that. But as more and more companies do so, it'll, it'll uh, you know, smaller companies can now say, well, look, Dish is doing it, Overstock's doing it, larger institutional players are doing it. So, you know, why can't we do it? So, well, why does it make sense for Dish, which is a TV company, it's not like it's selling products, uh, why would it make sense for them to accept Bitcoin? Well, so it's actually easier because you can pay your bills online. You have lower fees than uh, Visa, than MasterCard, than PayPal online. And the Bitcoin network essentially allows you to have lower fees and no chargebacks. So okay. there's some there's some financial reasons why to do it. So that's Betty Liu of Bloomberg asking Max Raskin, founder and CEO of Coin.co, what he thinks about this uh, dish network accepting Bitcoin. What I wish you would ask him, though, is what other unusual or other sectors might accept Bitcoin next? Uh, and what are, the, what are the unusual or other sectors that you expect will start accepting Bitcoin? Well, so one of the interesting things that just happened was the FEC, uh, the Federal Election Commission, just announced that they are approving Bitcoin for uh, political donations. So you're starting to see campaigns, nonprofits, uh, and all sorts of political organizations uh, accept it. Yes, I just mentioned that the Libertarian Party of Texas accepts bitcoins for their political donations. Because, you know, contrary to what a lot of people think, the government's actually not so opposed to bitcoin. And they, but isn't the biggest question regulation? Yes, yeah, so that is, that is the biggest question, which is good for the tech side because the tech has been proved out and the finances have been proved out. Now it's really just the government that needs to give To clear the, up that uncertainty. Yeah, and, and they are because they, you know, they want to keep money in the U.S. and they don't want to send it, send it elsewhere. Now, I'm not sure the tech has been proved out yet. We're still looking for dark wallet, dark coin dark market to hit the scene. And you know, I sure hope she doesn't ask him a silly question like, why has the price dropped so far? Because Bitcoin is up so much from a year ago. But Max, uh, the, uh, the, the value of Bitcoin has gone down dramatically, hasn't it? Yeah, so it's definitely come off from its highs at, at 1,000 earlier, uh, uh, late last year. But uh, from a year ago, it's, it's up substantially. But I think the more interesting thing is that the volatility is going down. So as more people are, are getting involved, right now it's been hovering around 500. It actually came up a little bit uh, recently. But... It's been in this 450 to 550 range for, for a while, which, um, you know, is, is uh, comforting to businesses that they see some stability. Actually, you know, what's even more comforting to businesses is if the price of Bitcoin keeps going up and up and up and up and up. Who cares about stability? Bitcoin to the moon! Yeah, I know. If that actually were to happen, then no one would ever want to get rid of their Bitcoin because they just keep going up and up and up. The deflationary effect of Bitcoin. Well, I'd love to see that again, wouldn't we? Uh, the uh, price of Bitcoin, you know, I didn't do the uh, market minute last week. How about a really short market minute this week? Bitcoin right now is about $614 or 61 cents a millibit. And that is up from the 430 to 450 range that it was hovering at that I talked about for the last month or so. Now, no one can really understand why markets do what they do because there's so many actors in a market. Sometimes, you know, sometimes a market can be manipulated by a single individual or organization. But for the most part, markets are made up of a lot of people acting on a lot of information. Trying to trade a market actively is a loser's game. 
Here now, step two in the 12-step program for active investors. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. A 12-step program for active investors. Step two, Nobel laureates. My name is Paul, and I'm an active investor. I sit at my computer, my active trading software, and some days are better than others. Some never end. Now, the academics tell me that by doing this, that in the end, I'm going to be out. My returns will be lower. Not me, man. I'm the active investor. Going to live on, die young. I'm living for today. I want to know what my returns are. I want to see all my stocks at a glance. And with my market beating returns, I'm going to dance till I drop. I don't want to be told by any school teacher how my portfolio won't grow old with me. I'm the active investor. I always want to be on top. So in the end, you're going to be out. You're going to stay low. You're going to be away. You're going to live hard. You're going to die young. You're going to live far today. You want to know now. You want to see all. You want to dance till you drop. Don't want to be told. Don't want to get old. I always want to be on top. In 1900, Louise Bachelier's doctoral thesis said there is no useful information contained in historical price movements of securities. In 1933, Alfred Coles reviewed about 12,000 stock recommendations and published his results in an article entitled, Can Stock Market Forecasters Forecast? His conclusion, it is doubtful. Nobel Prize in Economics winner Harry Markowitz presented the theory of the efficient portfolio. Modigliani and Miller showed that a firm's value is unrelated to its dividend policy, and that policy is an unreliable guide for stock selection. William Sharp, another Nobel Prize in Economics winner, said that the capital asset pricing model finds that the expected return of an asset is determined by its beta coefficient, a means of measuring the volatility of a security or portfolio of securities in comparison with the market as a whole. Paul Samuelson, another Nobel Prize in Economics winner, said that market prices are the best estimates of value. Price changes follow random patterns, and future stock prices are unpredictable. Eugene Fama's efficient market theory concluded that no one can consistently outperform a market. Then he, along with Kenneth French, developed the three-factor asset pricing model as an invaluable tool for asset allocation and portfolio analysis. If you're not aware of the works of these distinguished academics, If your only knowledge of the stock market is what the TV or newspaper tell you, we're here to rescue you. We're here to bring you home. And speaking of stock market gurus, let's play around to the world's favorite game, Guru Roulette. I've replaced the numbers on a roulette wheel with the names of Bitcoin gurus. I'll spin the wheel and roll the marble. And for the selected guru, give you a little background on their Bitcoin philosophy. So here we go. And the winner this time on Mad Machine Season 2, Episode 3 is... Jim Rogers. Jim Rogers, born October 19, 1942, which makes him 71 years old, 
is an American businessman, investor, and author. He is currently based in Singapore. Rogers is the chairman of Rogers Holdings. He was the co-founder of the Quantum Fund and creator of the Rogers International Commodities Index. He does not consider himself a member of any school of economic thought, but has acknowledged that his views best fit the label of Austrian School of Economics. Well, he was interviewed recently on ChinaMoneyNetwork.com, and he was asked about Bitcoin, and here's what he had to say. Since we're talking about currencies, uh, let's talk about, I'm not sure if you looked into much of this, but uh, do you hold any virtual currencies like the Bitcoin? No, I never learned enough about it. I'm, I, I wish I had. If I'd been smart, I would have bought it back in the early, early days when people first told me about it. It is not too late, Jim. It is still early days. Remember, to the moon. I wasn't smart enough. Didn't bother to learn. If I had, I might have made a lot of money. Or I might have lost a lot of money. You know, but, but I don't, still don't know enough about it to have any investments. Jim, you don't need to know a whole lot about it. Just listen to the Madman machine. I mean, for gold, for example, how many atoms are on the outer shell of, elect- of an atom of gold? You don't need to know that. Is it because you don't have the interest to learn about it, or is there's too so many things to invest? There's no need. Well, to- there's, there's always there are plenty of things to invest in around the world. There always have been and always will be. Uh, so that's part of it. The other part it was somewhat complicated, or it seemed to me at the time. And now, of course, I may have missed it. If the bitcoins went up a lot, uh, if, if somewhere along the line, they're down. And I learned enough about I might invest. They are down. Remember, they're down 50% from the $1,000 highs of last November. It's time to buy. It's time to buy, Jim. Do, do you think uh, there is a valid future for virtual currencies like the Bitcoin? Well, I do know that the world has serious currency needs and serious currency problems facing it. America is the largest debtor nation in world history, uh, you know, and that's not good. That always ends badly. Uh, somebody's going to stop using the dollar eventually. It has been, it, I mean, it dominates the world for the past 70 or 80 years. That's going to change. And when that changes, some people make money, some people lose money. So we need something to compete with the U.S. dollar. We need something to eventually replace it, whether it's bitcoins or seashells or I have no idea. I have an idea, and it's not seashells. What's in your wallet, Jib Rogers? Dude, seriously, get your hands on some bitcoins. Buy a thousand dollars worth. Heck, with your money, buy ten or twenty thousand dollars worth. Get some skin in the game. That's how you learn about Bitcoin. Well, congratulations, Jim Rogers. You're the guru on Madman Machine Season Two, Episode Three. I'd like to thank some of the supporters of the Mad Money Machine, starting with Brawker.com, B-R-A-W-K-E-R.com. Hey, Jim Rogers, maybe that's a way you could get some Bitcoin. You can buy Bitcoins with a credit card or PayPal, or you can spend Bitcoins on nearly everything on the Internet. For example, last week was Bitcoin Pizza Day. You can actually buy a Domino's Pizza with Bitcoin. How do you do it? You go to Brawker.com, you sign up for an account. You load it up with some Bitcoins. In the Spend Bitcoins tab, you indicate the URL to buy a Domino's Pizza gift card. You enter the price of the gift card you want. And a new feature now is you can adjust the amount of discount you want to get off your purchase. Simply adjust the slider between 8 and 20%. 
All it takes is someone interested in paying the premium to get your Bitcoins. And then you put in your email address. You place the order. You wait till someone who wants to buy Bitcoins orders that Domino's Pizza card for you with their credit card. That Domino's Pizza gift card is emailed to your email address, at which time your Bitcoins are sent to the buyer. Everybody wins, and you get the pizza at Brocker.com. I'd also like to thank some listener supporters. In decreasing monetary order and in first-come, first-served order, in case there's a tie. Starting with Walter, who sent .11 bitcoins. He says, bitping.org provides a quick and easy way to create a URL for payment requests. It includes several optional variables, including currency and amount, and will configure the QR code accordingly. That's bitping.org. Thank you, Walter. Mike Solomon, New York, New York. Dot one Bitcoin. Bitcoinmegaphone.com. It's like Twitter for Bitcoin. It's the web's first pay-per-character platform. Post your message for 0.00001 Bitcoin per character. It's 100% anonymous, 100% fun. Bitcoinmegaphone.com. And JJ Phillips. Dot one Bitcoin from Toronto. By proving theorems at mathgate.info, you can find buried Bitcoin treasures and get pseudonymous academic credentials. Mathgate.info. Well, thank you so much, supporters of the Mad Money Machine. The Mad Money Machine does rely on support from listeners like you. Go to madmoneymachine.com and you'll see a donate button off to the right of the page. That'll take you out to BitPay where it asks for your name, an email address, a city, and then you can enter up to four lines of text that I will read on the show. Now, if you can't afford dot one Bitcoin, there is a tipping address below the donate button. I thank for all the tippers. Thank you so much for tipping the Mad Money Machine. They are greatly welcomed as well. Now, one thing I'd like to figure out how to do is uh, replace BitPay donation page with something that works just a little bit better. Um, I'd like it so that uh, you can actually type in a message instead of having a place to enter four lines of text. So here's the requirements I'm looking for for a Bitcoin payment service. I'd like to be able to set a minimum price. I want it to be dot one Bitcoins. I'd like to require them, uh, the do donators, the supporters, to enter a name and a city. I would like a little message box that can be limited in size. And then I would like the button on the madmanmachine.com webpage to say donate. Pretty simple, I would think, requirements. I just like it a little bit better than what BitPay does it. I tried Coinbase. You know, you can actually go, if you have a Coinbase account and you want to support the Mad Money Machine, uh, you can go to coinbase.com slash madmoneymachine and it will take you to a supporter page where you can do what I've asked for here. You can enter uh, a price and enter a message. There's no way to set a minimum price, unfortunately. So if you want your message read, it's got to be one bitcoins or more. And, of course, those of you that support the Mid Mad Money Machine with more Bitcoin amount gets your message read first. What's in your wallet? Pull something out and support the Mad Money Machine. It's time once again for Satoshi's Corner. Satoshi's no Corner. Well, here's a milestone message, not just in the history of Bitcoin, but in the history of computing. January 9th, 2009, 
Bitcoin version 0.1 released. Announcing the first release of Bitcoin, a new electronic cash system that uses peer-to-peer network to prevent double spending. It's completely decentralized with no server or central authority. See Bitcoin.org for screenshots. There's a download link. Windows only for now. Open source C++ code is included. Unpack the files into a directory, run Bitcoin.exe. It automatically connects to other nodes. If you can keep a node running that accepts incoming connections, you'll really be helping the network a lot. Port 8333 on your firewall needs to be open to receive incoming connections. The software is still alpha and experimental. There's no guarantee the system's state won't have to be restarted at some point if it becomes necessary, although I've done everything I can to build in extensibility and versioning. You can get coins by getting someone to send you some, or turn on Options Generate Coins to run a node and generate blocks. I made the proof-of-work difficulty ridiculously easy to start with, so for a little while, in the beginning, a typical PC will be able to generate coins in just a few hours. It'll get a lot harder when competition makes the automatic adjustment drive up the difficulty. Generated coins must wait 120 blocks to mature before they can be spent. There are two ways to send money. If the recipient is online, you can enter their IP address and it will connect. Get a new public key and send the transaction with comments. If the recipient is not online, it's possible to send their Bitcoin to their Bitcoin address, which is a hash of their public key that they give you. They'll receive the transaction the next time they connect and get the block it's in. This method has the disadvantage that no comment information is sent, and a bit of privacy may be lost if the address is used multiple times but it is a useful alternative if both users can't be online at the same time or if the recipient can't receive incoming connections. Total circulation will be 21 million bitcoins. It will be distributed to network nodes when they make blocks, with the amount cut in half every four years. First four years, 10,500,000 coins. Next four years, 5,250,000 coins. Next four years, 2 and two-thirds million coins. Next four years, 1 and one-third million coins, etc. When that runs out, the system can support transaction fees if needed. It's based on open market competition, and there will probably always be nodes willing to process transactions for free. Satoshi Nakamoto not heard from anyone who works for Google or knows somebody that works for Google. I'm going to California, going to Palo Alto. I want to take a tour of the Google campus. And I understand I have to be invited by somebody that works at Google. So email me Bitcoin at madmoneymachine.com and invite me. You're listening to Paul Boyer's Mad Money Machine. And speaking of email, I got an email from Ty in Columbia, Maryland. He says, I enjoy your podcast, both the old and the new Mad Money Machine. Anyway, a couple of questions about Bitcoin that I couldn't find on your webpage. What wallets do you recommend? Which are insured to prevent another Mt. Gox? And what do you think about a paper wallet? I think you mentioned Coinbase, but there seems to be a lot of choices. Some mobile, some web-based, and some PC-based. It would be helpful for those of us 
thinking of trying out Bitcoin, for you to do an episode reviewing the various wallet companies and what fees do they charge. Coinbase is a great entry-level Bitcoin exchange. It allows you to exchange dollars for Bitcoins. I would enable two-factor authentication. Uh, There's a program you can get for your iPhone or Android called Authy, I believe it is. That's A-U-T-H-Y, Authy. That gives you a number that uh, it, that you then type into Coinbase that you use in addition to your email and your password. And uh, now other wallets that are great. Blockchain.info is a great online wallet. There's no fee for using that. Whereas, of course, there's a fee for getting into Coinbase, uh, transferring dollars into Coinbase, that is. I would say a PC-only based solution or a Mac-only based solution, a great tool is, a th- is a Electrum. Electrum is a great wallet, a standalone wallet running on your computer. It's a uh, SPV type wallet, so it doesn't download the whole blockchain. And it's very simple to use. Another one that runs on the Mac is Hive. Go to grabhive.com. It's supposed to be one of the easiest to use wallets. And of course, uh, there's CryptoKit, which runs right inside your Chrome browser. Another one that's fairly easy to use. My recommendation, use them all. Use all of them. Spread the wealth around. As far as insurance, ah, good luck on that. Let the buyer beware. Now, I'm told that Circle will have insurance. And I think Zappo, X-A-P-O, was talking about some insurance, if I'm right about that. As far as paper wallets go, I'd say I don't recommend it unless you've got a very large amount of Bitcoins to secure. And then... Try it first with a small amount of Bitcoins. I'd say listen to my recommendations, but definitely educate yourself. Thanks for the email, Tom. If you were thumbing through the recent edition of the Wall Street Journal, you might have seen an LTTE, a letter to the editor, entitled, Bitcoin Isn't Ready for Prime Time. The article says, the the letter to the editor says, What better evidence of the frothiness of technology markets could one want than Andy Kessler's The Weekend Interview with Brian Armstrong, angling to be the MasterCard of Bitcoin, May 17th. Mr. Armstrong is founder of Bitcoin processor Coinbase, Tens of millions of dollars are pouring into Bitcoin startups and, like most bubbles, investors dismiss all the bad news. Bitcoin is an open source project run by the Bitcoin Foundation. Of the original five members, one was indicted for money laundering, another is disgraced head of Mt. Gox, the Bitcoin exchange that lost almost 650,000 of its members' Bitcoins, Several Foundation members resigned following the recent election of a new board member accused, according to Patrick Alexander's resignation letter posted on the Bitcoin Foundation's website, of having previously been associated with alleged pedophilia. China and other countries have put the brakes on a digital currency that is frequently used for evading the law. Recent work by economists has found that most Bitcoins are exchanged for speculation and are no more currency than pork bellies. Don't forget the IRS's capital gain reporting requirement. There isn't a scintilla of evidence that a Bitcoin payment system could be more efficient than current ones. 
once Bitcoin must meet the same regulatory requirements and provide the same services, yet we can be confident that none of this will dissuade venture capitalists that Bitcoin is the greatest thing since the Internet and perhaps even sliced bread. David S. Evans, Boston. David S. Evans, Boston. Eh, just some guy in Boston, right? Who is David S. Evans? Let's start with a little clip of him out on YouTube. And this is from a couple of years ago. Um, these are highly disruptive changes that are taking place um, that really could alter the positions of power in the payment ecosystem uh, could result, and here's the Siri word that you've all heard, could result in the disintermediation of existing players. So you've got to do something. You've got to do something even if that's to react uh, to what everyone else uh, is doing. So that's what we're really about today, to really talk about those three trends, the intersection of mobile and social networking and payments, which is just a really, really exciting um, thing to be focused on. So this video is entitled David S. Evans at Payments Innovation Institute. And it says that's hosted by Market Platform Dynamics. So who's Market Platform Dynamics? Their website is marketplatforms.com. And under their expertise, it says, what do they do? They literally wrote the book on platform businesses. Credit card growth and industry. The growth and diffusion of credit cards in society. Over the last 30 years, credit cards have democratized credit, with card ownership growing not only in total numbers, but across virtually all demographic groups. He wrote a book called Paying with Plastic, The Digital Revolution in Buying and Borrowing. And you look under the Team tab, you find David S. Evans, Founder of Market Platform Dynamics. So it seems he has a kind of an interest in the credit card business, not necessarily in the Bitcoin business. Now, I found another writing of his out on a website called payments.com. I suppose is how you would pronounce it. It's spelled P-Y-M-N-T-S, payments.com. What's next in payments and commerce? And the article out there is entitled, Guess what, folks? Overstock.com does not take Bitcoin. Written on May 23rd, he said, this is written by David S. Evans. He says Overstock.com doesn't take Bitcoin as a currency. This may surprise you, given all the hype. Patrick Byrne, Overstock's CEO and Bitcoin Messiah, even gave a keynote address at last week's Bitcoin 2014 conference in Amsterdam. If he's not a believer, who is? Let's take a look at the smoke and mirrors. And then he talks about buying stuff on Overstock.com and paying with Bitcoins. He said Overstock.com never takes possession of Bitcoins or anything denominated in Bitcoins. Nor do the other merchants with the Coinbase wallet. And he talks about how you get Bitcoins into Coinbase and it's kind of like just buying a gift card anyway. He says, in the end, in this bizarro world, even the Bitcoin Messiah wants greenbacks. Well, guess what? The Bitcoin Messiah answered him on his deepcapture.com website. He said, guess what, folks? David S. Evans does not know his donkey from a hole in the ground. Which is Patrick Burns' reply to David Evans's Bitcoin hit piece. Hmm, Patrick Byrne says, uh, the guy misspelled both my first and last name. 
He says the guy's wrong about the fact that you need a Coinbase wallet in order to pay with the Bitcoin button. Anyone with Bitcoin can pay with that button. Regarding the bizarro world of Bitcoin, he says, actually, Patrick Burns says, actually, even the Bitcoin Messiah has to pay his suppliers. And since they want greenbacks, at some point, the Bitcoins that customers spend at Overstock must be converted to greenbacks to pay for those goods and services. This basic truth has Mr. Evans so agitated that he sees the whole process as smoke and mirrors. And he's got several of other bullet points there refuting David S. Evans's commentary. Patrick Burns says, and so on and so forth. Nearly every paragraph of David Evans's initial piece, and even in his backspinning clarification, has errors that would make a college sophomore blush. That's quite an accomplishment for, for a man who bills himself as ranked among the top 3% of economists in the world, with, as one comes to expect from Mr. Evans, no explanation or citation. And the clarification that Mr. Byrne talks about was that uh, in Mr. Evans's original article, he went back and edited it and made some changes. He said the fact that Overstock has decided to take 10% of its daily sales in bitcoins and fund a bitcoin account doesn't change the point of the article either. Contrary to one tweet on the article, Overstock could have a bitcoin account and pay people and vendors in bitcoin, regardless of whether people want to buy stuff from Overstock using their bitcoins. And then David S. Evans replied to Patrick Burns's reply. He says, and this is May 27th, it says... It looks like I poked a hornet's nest and awakened the slumbering bear at the same time with my article last Friday about Overstock not really taking Bitcoin. The hysterical reaction is puzzling, since the whole point of my article is simple and no one, including Patrick Byrne, Overstock's CEO, seems to disagree with it. When you use your Coinbase wallet to pay for something on Overstock with Bitcoins, Overstock.com gets paid in dollars. The article goes on, he says, The proposition that Overstock presents its customers demonstrates the sheer silliness of what's going on with Bitcoin these days. If you don't have Bitcoins, virtually no one does, you can go to Coinbase and get some. How do you get some? You give them dollars. Then you pay Overstock. And what does Overstock get? They get dollars. And then he goes on to refute all the points that Patrick Byrne refuted. And he apologizes for typos in his first and last name. Now, this website, paymentspayments.com, let's take a look at its about page. Payments.com is brought to you by First in Media, LLC, a joint venture between two leaders in online media and payments space, BusinessWire, and Market Platform Dynamics. So, David S. Evans owns Payments.com the website on which he published an article criticizing Bitcoin and Overstock.com. Now, if you go out to David S. Evans's Twitter account, it gets even more interesting. May 9th, will the Bitcoin Foundation and its new board be robust enough to run a global financial services platform? He thinks the Bitcoin Foundation is like the Bitcoin company. <laughs> May 2nd, Bitcoin down 2.4% over the last week. Volatility up to 29.78 times euro measured over the last 30 days. April 30th, Bitcoin as currency is so last year. It's the protocol. But how do you pay for manning the public ledger? And it goes on and on back in time. And just about every tweet is hating on Bitcoin. 
Well, the Wall Street Journal, uh, LTTE, just simply said this was David S. Evans from Boston. Didn't really talk about his fact that he's so embedded in the credit card industry. Upton Sinclair had a quote. He said, it's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon his not understanding it. In other words, David S. Evans, what's in your wallet? You're listening to Paul Boyer's Mad Money Machine. So last week I uh, ran the Nova piece about how scientists think the universe is all just bits. Bits of information. This week, check out this article. Evolution of the universe simulated by scientists. May 7th, scientists have unveiled what has been described as the most complete computer model yet of the evolution of the universe. This new virtual cosmos created by U.S., German, and English researchers includes details never before achieved in a simulation that have previously failed because of numerical inaccuracies and incomplete physical models, the scientists said. Those behind the project hope it will serve as a way to predict and interpret observations seen in the cosmos and allow scientists to test current theories of how the universe will evolve and how galaxies can grow, called illustrious. The numerical-based model covers the 13-billion-year evolution of the universe beginning just 12 million years after the Big Bang, and its developers said it accurately depicts the distribution and composition of various types of galaxies. The scientists said the model reproduces the observed distribution of galaxies in clusters and characteristics of hydrogen on large scales, and at the same time matches the metal and hydrogen content of galaxies on small scales. The model is developed by a team of, led by astrophysicist Mark Vogelsberger of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. They said uh, it represents a significant step forward in modeling galaxy formation. They attribute their success to advanced computer power equivalent to 10,000 home computers during doing calculations at the same time for a half a year. Which means if you try to do this using an ordinary desktop computer or state-of-the-art desktop computer... This would take something like 5,000 years to calculate. Until now, no single simulation was able to reproduce the universe on both large and small scales simultaneously, he said. So computers have been around for, what, 60 years or so, I guess, since the 1950s? And desktop personal computers since eh, early 80s? What? I wonder what computer simulation will be like in another 60 years. Wow. Moore's Law says what? The power of CPU doubles every 18 months or something? So 15 years would be what? 10 doublings? 150 years? 100 doublings? Uh, 150 million years is a million doublings in computer power? Wow, you can really do some simulation of the universe after a million years. And if the universe is all bits anyway... Huh...
And now a public service announcement. New York City Bitcoin Fair. Over 30 vendors accepting bitcoins for artisan goods and food. Sundays starting June 15th through August 26th, 11 to 6 p.m. NYCBitcoinFair.com. So eBay got itself all nice and hacked. Passwords of many millions of its users stolen. I suspect it was through a social engineering attack where, you know, somebody got one of the um, administrators' user passwords, got into the system, got the password file, and stole all the passwords. Social engineering is really a disgusting form of security hack. I actually worked for a security company. I mentioned before that I was a CISSP, Certified Information System Security Professional, And in our uh, security consulting practice, we had one guy who was a white hat social engineer. (laughs) And so the company would pay us to hack their site using social engineering. And it was disgusting, disgusting, the lying that would go on. Um, I really didn't, did not, I didn't do it. And I really thought it was just, just disgusting. But. Hey, if it makes your company aware of security vulnerabilities and it makes you more secure, uh, I have to say, grudgingly, it's probably worth it. Well, one job that probably won't be automated is social engineering. There's an article out at uh, Huffington Post. 47% of all jobs will be automated by 2034 and no government is prepared, says The Economist. So this is the Madman Machine talking about an article in the Huffington Post, talking about an article in The Economist, which I think cites a Oxford Martin School study. So you're getting this mm, fourth hand. <laughs> Let's go directly to the Oxford Martin School study and cut out some of the middleman. It says, our findings thus imply that as technology races ahead, low-skill workers will, will reallocate to tasks that are non-susceptible to computerization. That is, tasks requiring creative and social intelligence. For workers to win the race, however, they will have to acquire creative and social skills. Call the Mad Money Machine voicemail line at 571-366-7121. Let's pull something out of the Mad Money Machine tool crib. Well, I've heard complaints about uh, eBay and PayPal. First of all, eBay... I guess they don't really allow you to buy stuff or sell stuff with Bitcoin. Why is that? Because they own PayPal. And just like the guy out on Reddit, slash r slash Bitcoin, says, here's how PayPal rips me off once, twice, no, three times. Of course, this guy's in Switzerland, so yeah, he really gets ripped off. He says, uh, rip off one PayPal is different payment rates for Europe. If you're located in Europe, they charge you 1% more than for U.S. merchants. Rip off two. I'm selling for over 100,000 euros yearly, but PayPal still charges me their highest merchant rate, which is 3.9% plus 30 cents. And ripoff three, since I'm Switzerland, I have to convert to USD to Swiss francs. And guess what? PayPal conversion rates are 2.66%. In total, I pay 7% to PayPal. But I'm fighting back. He says he puts in his uh, email uh, message to his clients a recommendation to purchase via Bitcoin. And to date, he's got 10% of all his sales in Bitcoin. Well, here's another idea, folks, and that is let's go around eBay and try some of those Bitcoin auction sites. There's two I know of 
First one that comes to mind is CryptoThrift.com. Yeah, ever since BitMint went out of bitness, CryptoThrift is one of the Bitcoin auction sites that's available. Give them a try. Or, and or, Crypto Auction is another one. They're always tweeting things that are newly available on their auction site. Why don't we just go around eBay? Yeah, I realize it's a network effect and you want the most sellers and the most buyers possible on an auction site. But eBay started somewhere. Maybe crypto auction or crypto thrift, if we give them our business, can catch up. That's our tools this week. Auction sites that take Bitcoin. And like the best things in life, well, at least they're free to browse. Let me ask you a question. Are you going to give to charity at all? Why not give them some of your year-old Bitcoins? Article out on Reddit. Avoid U.S. taxes on Bitcoin. Give to charity. I'll have a link to this in the show notes. This is very important. It says, Bitcoin that has been held for more than a year and gone up in value can be donated to a recognized charity without having to report any taxable gain to the IRS. What's more, one can take a deduction for its full market value at the time of donation. Donations of appreciated Bitcoin held a year or less are still deductible, but their gains in value must also be recognized and taxed. This often overlooked fact turns a significant negative into a strong positive. Don't sell or spend profitable long-term holdings of Bitcoin in as much as you can. Donate them to charity and buy yourself a double tax break with your generosity. Holy cow. Well, there's a uh, there are more links to IRS publications and there's examples in this article. I think this was a good one to read. When we can stiff the tax man and give to charity at the same time, That's a double win. I want to thank you for joining me once again this week. I'm Paul Boyer saying it takes money to make money and it takes millibits to make a mad money machine. I'll see you next Friday, June the 6th at 3 p.m. In the meantime, buy some Bitcoin. Go to Brocker.com. Spend some Bitcoin at Brocker.com. Donate some Bitcoin at madmoneymachine.com and then replenish your Bitcoin at Brocker.com. And then, when you buy something at Brocker.com, send me a tweet at madmoneymachine. Or, if you just like the show at all, I'd appreciate it if you send out a tweet. Include at madmoneymachine. You can email me, bitcoin at madmoneymachine.com, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, madmoneymachine, call the voicemail line, 571-366-7121 like to close the show now with a song. This is the end of the podcast, people. If you don't like music, end the podcast now. This is not Kings of Leon. This is Need to Breathe with Keep Your Eyes Open. I'll see you next Friday. Thanks so much for listening.
Friday, 3 p.m., madmanmachine.com or letstalkbitcoin.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.